You're listening to Talk Talk. In this edition of Talk Talk, we will have a look at ethical dilemmas. What are they? What are some different opinions in making an ethical choice? Listen to find out. I would like to start off with a little example. It's a classic. A man has a wife and three kids at home, but he's jobless and his family is starving. Now, is it morally right for the man to steal money to support his family? If he steals money, then he does something wrong, but the outcome is good. The family survives. But if he does not steal, then the family will starve. Whatever his choice, there is a moral problem and a moral rule is transgressed. Now, if you think that this is a rather extreme example and not very realistic, then I would like to inform you that ethical dilemmas are often formulated in simplified, sometimes even idealized ways, so that you can get the point across better and so that they're more accessible to systematic study. Some of you may now say that he should go out and find a job or that it's the responsibility of the government agencies to support the family. Others of you may give the recommendation that the father should stay at home and the mother should find a job. Maybe she has a better chance. But for right now, we ignore these possibilities. Now, how do you go about solving an ethical dilemma? What should the man do based on the given information? First of all, it must be made clear that dilemmas cannot be solved like a mathematical problem. There are, of course, different ethical approaches and there are rational methods but a universally acceptable, correct solution does probably not exist. I would recommend a four-step guideline in approaching problems like these. Step number one. First of all, you have to know that you will have to break a moral value, a moral rule. It is in the nature of dilemmas that you will ultimately break one ethical or moral rule when you do make your choice. If you do not decide and lean back, then you also have chosen not to act. And yes, there will be an unfavorable outcome as well. You have to be prepared to accept criticism for your decision. And you have to understand that ethical dilemmas cannot be solved like a puzzle. So step number one should get you into the right set of mind to approach the whole problem situation. Step number two. Now you should analyze the actions that you have to take. In the example of the starving family, the man has two choices, either not to act or to steal. Not stealing is more morally acceptable, stealing is not. You should not consider the consequences of your actions yet. Just analyze the actions independently from the possible outcomes. This may be difficult to do, but you should try. Step number three. Well, we're not finished yet, and the next step is quite crucial. You now should analyze the outcome of each action. In one case, the family will starve. In the other case, the family will survive. Again, consider the outcomes independently of the previous actions that were taken. In this particular example, the outcome seems to be quite clear. The family will either starve or survive. But in real life, there may be many unexpected side effects that you have to consider. The last step, you should now compare the negative action with the negative outcome. Which one is morally worse? Which one is morally acceptable? Death of the family or stealing? Form a decision by weighing these two outcomes against each other. And this should give you a guideline 
and what to do. Most of us would probably say that the life of the family has to be valued higher than the financial damage done to another person due to theft. We are choosing the lesser of two evils. But does this mean that stealing is generally acceptable if we use the money to survive? I have to admit that this reminds me a little bit of Robin Hood. You steal from the rich to give to the poor. Can we really deduce a general law from this particular example? Can we really say that stealing is always an option if we help other people? Of course not. Luckily, many real-life situations do offer more options and other ways out of the situation. Maybe I am simplifying this a bit, but there seem to be two schools of thought here. Some people place a strong importance on the outcome of a decision. They follow the so-called ends-based approach. For them, the consequence of the family starving weighs more than the consequence of somebody losing his money. This school of thought is therefore called consequentialism. For them, the ends may justify the means. Whether an action is right or wrong depends on the final outcome of that action. Utilitarianism is such a consequentialist approach. For a strict consequentialist, only the outcome determines the goodness or badness of an action. The man should steal, as more happiness is obtained for the whole family. Other people place a strong emphasis on the actions and not on the outcome. This school of thought is called deontology or duty-based ethics. Advocates of this school claim that there are certain ethical rules that should not be transgressed. Does this mean that the man should not steal and let his family starve? Yes, for a strict deontologist, stealing is never justifiable. For them, certain actions are wrong. Whether an outcome is good or bad is irrelevant. The philosopher Immanuel Kant was a notable advocate of this school of thought. You may now object that the family has starved. How can this be justified? Is it not the moral duty of the man to steal to support his family? How can we weigh the duty to save a family against the duty not to steal? Theontologists would respond with two counter-arguments to this criticism. First, they would state that it is not possible to fully predict the consequences of one's actions. You cannot look into the future. Maybe the man steals, but the money is not sufficient to support the family. In this case, the man is guilty of theft and the family will starve just the same. There is also a second argument. Immanuel Kant would recommend a simple test. He would recommend the establishment of a general law. An action, according to him, is immoral if you cannot establish such a general law. From now on, we generally allow the stealing to support one's family. Can we do that? Well, we cannot, because it would result in a breakdown of the social order and ultimately cause more unhappiness. For this reason, stealing is morally unacceptable. There are also other examples that illustrate this point. Are so-called emergency lies morally acceptable? Let's say a potential murderer asks you for the place of his victim. Are you allowed to lie to save the victim's life? A utilitarianist would say yes. The life of a person is more important than a lie. The consequences count. You make more happiness by lying. A deontologist, on the other hand, would say that you still should say the truth. You do not know the consequences of your lie. 
It could be that the victim has left the hiding place and now your lie directs the potential murderer towards his victim. In this case, you have broken the moral rule of not lying and you are, well at least partially, also responsible for the death of a person. At the end I have to apologize a little bit for the dramatic examples that I used. A starving family, stealing, lying and even murder. I just want to assure you that these are the classical examples that are used in analyzing ethical decision making. I did not invent these examples. And regardless of what school of thought you follow, I'm certain that you agree with Kant's words. Always recognize that human individuals are ends and do not use them as means to your end. End quote. In other words, don't take advantage of other people for your own advantage. You can listen to more episodes at www.toktalk.net. That's www.toktalk.net. My name is Oliver Kim, and I wish you a nice day.